Are all sins equal, or are some worse than others? Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we continue our exciting five-year journey through God's entire Word. Today we're in 2 Corinthians 12, where we'll find that there is one sin that ranks above all the rest. Can you guess what it is? Is it murder? Lying? What about cheating? Stealing? How about adultery? What about pride? Gossip? Anger? Boasting? Or is it something else entirely? Well, our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, gives us the answer in just a few minutes. But first, let's take a minute and dig into our Bible bus mailbag. Here's an email. This is from Robert in New Mexico. Thank you for your continued ministry. I have learned from Dr. McGee since, wow, since 1958, and am so thankful to God for this daily blessing all these years. Our entire family history is interwoven with the warp and woof of Through the Bible. Now in my 80s and battling cancer, I praise God through long nights and listen to the solid teaching of Dr. McGee on either my iPad or iPhone. Thank you for all your hard work and staying on target as we grow in knowledge and fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, thanks so much for writing to us, Robert. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to have you aboard the Bible bus with us each day for so many years. May God bless you as you seek him in his word. Now next we hear from Pedro in Arizona. I've listened for a long time, and I think your messages are finally getting through. I'm downloading the notes and outlines so that I may keep studying and learning more from the Word of our Lord. I wish to have more knowledge, and someday, not far away, I pray I can share it with other people so they too can come to know our living Lord. Well, thanks, Pedro. That's a great goal to have. And then last, we got a letter from a listener in Poland. I'm so thankful for your broadcasts. Through them, my life has acquired value and color. Hmm. It is all through the power of the Spirit working in me. I am now different from the person I used to be. My life is in the hands of Jesus. Recently, he gave me power and courage to openly share with others about how wonderful our Lord is and what he has done for me. What a treasure it is to be in the family of God. Well, indeed, it is a treasure to be in God's family. Well, if you'd like to tell the story of how God's working in your life, and we've all got a story as we study together, we'd certainly love to hear it and maybe even share it to encourage others. You can write today. Easiest is going to BibleBus at ttb.org, or you can go to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109, or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1, or call and leave a message at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's thank God for this time together in His Word. Heavenly Father, thank You for the message of Your grace, of Your mercy and salvation that we get when we ponder Your Word. Lord, would You teach us now? In Jesus' name, Amen. Here's our study of 2 Corinthians 12 and 13 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we left off last time with Paul having told us about being caught up to the third heaven his experience there, not able to tell us. Someone has said that one of the reasons he is not able to tell us that if he had been able to, why there would be a mass exodus out of this world to get there. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know this. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh that he might not be lifted up too much. God kept this man a very humble man, by the way. And we see that now in this section. Paul says in verse 14, Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you. 
And he says, I'm coming to you, and I'll not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Paul had been their spiritual father. You see, he had founded the church in Corinth. And then he says, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. It sounds like a complaint, does it not, on the part of Paul. But the Spirit of God has insisted that he tell about these things and not tell about what he saw in heaven. To tell about his burdens down here, and one of them was he loved these people, but many had not loved him in return. Verse 16, But be it so, I did not burden you, nevertheless being crafty, I caught you with guile. Now, I think here that we need to recognize that though we are to be fishermen of men, that what Paul is actually saying here is this. That's what they were saying, the enemies of Paul in the church in Corinth. They were being, I think, very unfair to this man. And they said, well, he came over here and he used cleverness and he used these different methods to get us. But Paul didn't use that. He says, did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? He says, I didn't use these methods and I didn't send other men along to make a gain of you. And he says in verse 18, I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? And Titus was the same way among them. Now listen to him again in verse 19. He says, Again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you? We speak before God in Christ. But we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates. Now notice this. These are the things that Paul actually expected to find in the church there. They expected a great deal of Paul. Paul expected a great deal of them. But what would they find? Well, there would be debates, people arguing. I've got to the place now in my ministry very candidly, and this may answer some who listen to the program and write me. Every now and then I get a long letter. I can always tell it from the outside. It's generally a ponderous letter. And it's someone taking up some doctrine or something I've said and they want to debate about it. Now, friends, I'm in no mood now to debate. You go on with your viewpoint and then pray for me. If I'm wrong, that I'll see the truth. But you'll not convince me with a long letter, one that's debating with me, and I'll tell you why. I don't read them. <laughs> I don't fool with reading them. Somebody says, well, then you're very bigoted and narrow-minded. Well, maybe I am, but I'm not debating anymore. I don't believe that's the way that we're going to get anywhere. Our business is to get the Word of God out, and I'm not attempting to debate anything. I just teach it as I come to it, and I'm not going around the corners or escaping anything. I just take it as we come to it, and I recognize we step on toes every now and then. So I'll not debate with you, 
But the church is filled with that today. And envyings. My, how that's in the church today. Envyings. And then there's wraths. And then there's stripes. All the strife that's going on. And then there's the backbiting. I tell you, that's the thing that's bad. The backbiting. Have you heard about so-and-so? And somebody says, no, I haven't heard. And they say, well, I want to tell you. And they tell you something pretty mean about the individual. Backbitings. And then whisperings. And someone has said that some people will believe anything if it's whispered to them. Whisperings, you know. And swellings. And I have often wondered about this word swellings. Probably the best explanation is the explanation I heard Dr. Ironside give of it. He said this reminded him of a frog. You know, sometimes you see a frog sitting on the bank of a creek or a pond, and oh, he's swelling up. He's twice as big as he'd ordinarily be. And then what happens? Well, you throw a rock at him, and believe me, he becomes little again and goes right down into the water. I would say the best word that would describe this would be pompous. There are some pompous Christians, you know, very pompous. And then there are tumults causing trouble in the church, little cliques that get together and cause trouble, circulate something to be signed, that type of thing. Well, now notice, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they've committed. Now, Corinth was a vile city. It was known throughout the Roman Empire as a sin center. It was the Las Vegas and Reno and any other city that you want to put with it all rolled into one. It was the place people went to sin. And where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. But it caused the people there to look lightly upon these things. And I'm not sure that many do that today. Now, this doesn't present a very pretty picture of the church. I'm sure that many of you today, as we've gone through this epistle, you say, my, the church is certainly not a very pretty thing here, the local church. And that's true. And not only is that true of this church, I think that's true of many today. But now, let's look at this for just a moment. Suppose that the Lord took the church out of the world right now. That is, his church, the believers that are in the world. And what would happen? Well, we believe that the Great Tribulation is going to begin, and part of the contribution to the Great Tribulation will be the absence of the church. The church today is salt in the world and light in the world. And the Holy Spirit indwells the church. And very candidly, the question arises, is the world getting better or worse? And some people say that the church hasn't improved the world because the world is worse than it was 1,900 years ago. Well, I disagree with that altogether. Somebody comes along and quotes, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, a great many people quote that. But the Scripture doesn't say the world is getting worse. It says the evil man shall wax worse and worse. They will in their lifetime. Then another generation comes on. But I would say that the world today is a little better than it was 1,900 years ago. 
because 1,900 years ago, the world committed a sin that would have been an unpardonable sin had not the Lord Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They crucified the Son of God. Now, I recognize that the world today, by its rejection of Jesus Christ, is crucifying him afresh. The greatest sin in the world is rejection of Christ. He says when the Holy Spirit comes, the Lord Jesus said that, he'll convict the world of sin. What kind of sin? Of sin because they believe not on me. Now, as bad as some of these other sins might be, the worst sin is to reject Jesus Christ today. Therefore, the greatest crime that was ever committed was committed 1,900 years ago when the Son of God was murdered on this earth. Now, I believe that today the world is probably just as corrupt, just as vile, just as mean and wicked as it was 1,900 years ago. But may I say to you, it's a better place to have a home in than it was 1,900 years ago. You could be more comfortable in the world today. And there are a great many things that make life a little better than it was 1,900 years ago. But we need to understand it was never the purpose of the church to plant flowers in the world any more than it was Israel's business to plant flowers in the wilderness. They were pilgrims passing through it, and they had a message and a witness, and that has been the purpose of the church down through the age. Now, the church today is to be a group of people that ought to be holy under God, ought to live for God. And I wish that we could point to the church and say it's wonderful. I think that's one of the reasons that this present interest in the Word of God and this present movement we're seeing today has bypassed the local church. It's so busy with its internal problems, so busy criticizing and finding fault that the world has just pretty much passed them by. But that doesn't destroy the fact that the church today is that group which the Lord Jesus Christ loved and gave himself for it, that he might wash it, he might cleanse it, and make us acceptable to God. Now, we're far from it, but we ought to be moving in that direction. And so here, you have an insight in a church in the worst city in the Roman Empire, and how bad it was. I don't like for people to say that the church today is not in any way affecting the world. Now, I think it's affecting it very little. But if it was removed today, I tell you, there'd be a group of godly people that'd be removed from this world. And as a result, the world would be much worse when the church is removed. Now, let me move on into chapter 13 here, because we are going to finish. So help me, friends, we're going to finish this today. Now, as we come here to this 13th chapter, the last chapter that we have, we have first the execution of Paul's apostleship in the first 10 verses, then the conclusion of Paul's apostleship, 11 through 14. Now, again, Paul repeats it. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Paul went to him the third time, by the way. And he says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. In other words, Paul's not going on hearsay. Everything is to be authenticated when he gets there. Everything is going to be brought right out in the open. And Paul's going to exercise his office as an apostle. And he's going to show proof of his apostleship through the power of Christ working in Paul's weakness. Listen to him. I told you before and foretell you 
as if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other, that if I come again, I'll not spare, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you it is not weak, but is mighty in you. Paul came there in weakness, but the word of God was mighty and transformed them in this sin-sick city. And we have here, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Now we have here something about the weakness of God. What is the weakness of God? It's when he went to the cross, my friend. That was the weakness of God. And Paul makes it very clear here that we ought to make a regular inventory to see whether we're in the faith or not. Will you listen to this? This is important. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. Now, I think every Christian regularly, and this hasn't anything to do with free will or election or the security of the believer, but this is an inventory that every believer ought to make. Well, I think we ought to make it two or three times during the year. Examine yourself. See whether you be in the faith or not. You're willing really to face up to it. And they should see whether they're in the faith or not. When my daughter was growing up, she made a confession of her faith to her mother when they were back visiting her grandmother in Texas. She came in one day and said to her, out of a clear sky, she said to my wife, said, I won't accept Jesus as my Savior. And so they went in the bedroom. She got down on her knees and accepted Christ. And so regularly after that, she's just a little thing then, I'd ask her. And finally, when she got up in her teens, she said, Daddy, why do you keep asking me whether I'm a Christian or not, or whether I really trust Jesus? I said, I just want to make sure. After all, you're my offspring, and I sure want to make sure. Oh, friends, not only did I do it for her, I did it for myself. I think every believer ought to do that. Now, listen to Paul. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. He said, I want you to know I've made an inventory, and I know I'm not. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. Paul says, I just want you folk to be the type of believers you should be. Now here's another great truth. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. My friend, you can't do anything against the truth. I don't worry about these folk today that are disagreeing. That's all right. You can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. This is a great verse. We should declare the word of God, therefore not defend it. It doesn't need defending. Just declare it. Just give it out. Oh, that's the important thing. Let's give it out. We can't do anything against the truth, but for the truth. And God will bless that. For we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong. And this also we wish even your perfection. Now, what he means is not perfect in the sense we think of it, but that you grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ, that you be mature, that you be mature Christians. Or what he's really saying is this, grow up. We hear that sometimes. Somebody says to another, why don't you grow up? Well, Paul says grow up. That's what he means here. He says, therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. 
Now Paul says that he's glad he can write to them at this time. Now he says, finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Again, he comes to this. What he's saying is, grow up. Grow up over there in Corinth. And that's something you could say to a lot of churches today and to a lot of believers today. Why don't you grow up? Stop this baby stuff and be of good comfort. Now we are back at the word that began this epistle, the comfort of God. What does it mean again? It means help. It means one call to our side to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. And God wants to do that today for you, friend. I don't know who you are, where you are, how you are, why you are. But out yonder, he wants to help you. And he can help you through his word and ministering to you by the Holy Spirit. He can help you. Oh, my friend, this is, this is great. And what a great verse we just had. We can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Oh, to go forward today for God. Now he says here, be of one mind. That is the mind of Christ. Live in peace. Now, you live in peace. You can't make it, but you can live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now, what is that? Well, it's the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It's peace that he made by the blood of his cross. Live in that peace today. Just rejoice in your salvation. And he says here, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. God's with you. Don't miss that. He's with you today, friend. Oh, how wonderful this is. You're not alone. He's with you today. And then he's very personal here at the end. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I hope you won't mind me telling this to late Dr. Walter Wilson. And a friend came to see him and his lovely wife. And the friend greeted Dr. Wilson because he was such a wonderful saint of God with a kiss. And then he kissed his wife. And he said to Dr. Wilson, he says, Now, when I greet you, it's a holy kiss. But when I kiss your wife, wow. May I say to you, friends, make sure it's a holy kiss. If you're going to kiss the sisters, I would suggest that we confine it to our same sex, by the way. Now, verse 14, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And here he ends with that word, you all. So don't mind my accent because Paul had the same accent, friend. He says, may all of the blessing of the Trinity be with you all. And that means all of you out there today. Oh, friends, we ought to revel in what we have in Christ. And today we ought to try to bear a witness today, not only to the world, but in our church. There ought to be a real witness there today. And by the way, there are a lot of churches, it's difficult. It's easier to bear witness in the world today than it is in some churches. And that's true. But if you're in that church, you and I should bear witness. Well, this brings us to the end of Second Corinthians. We'll see you next time in the book of Esther. May God richly bless you, my beloved. How are you testifying? of God's grace in your life. Are you talking about him with your family, with your friends? How about your neighbors? Well, as Dr. McGee reminded us today, let's look for more opportunities to share God's blessings with those around us. 
And I know I mentioned it earlier, but it's also why we love it when you write to us as well. So one more time, the address to share the blessing of what God's doing in your life as we travel together on the Bible bus is BibleBus at ttb.org. Now, if you'd like to spend more time studying the passages and pages of 2 Corinthians, you can visit ttb.org. And as we prepare to begin our study of Esther tomorrow, be sure to download your copy of Briefing the Bible that contains Dr. McGee's notes and outlines for Esther and every other book of the Bible. Simply visit ttb.org forward slash Briefing the Bible. Or just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE, and we'll send an abbreviated print copy to you by mail. Also at ttb.org, you can download our bookmark with each day's Bible reading, or follow the reading prompts in our new Bible companion for Esther. For tomorrow's study, let's read ahead through chapter 1 together. So if you've never downloaded one of our Bible companions, you're in for a great treat. I use it myself in a small group Bible study. I use the companion on Acts. Now here, the synopsis of Dr. McGee's study, the discussion questions and links to the Bible text are also super helpful. So you'll find that with Esther. Again, get yours at ttb.org. Do you have questions about the resources that I've mentioned today and where to find them? Well, you can always call us 1-800-65-BIBLES, the number. I'm Steve Schwetz. As always, praying for you, thankful for how God blesses and keeps you. Until we meet again. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?